Hey guys, you're listening to another podcast on the Cloud Evangelist Portal. My name is Richard Morrell. We're going to be talking to Reese Oxenham again. Now, Reese is a stalwart at Red Hat talking about cloud, enterprise cloud virtualization. But he's been here long enough that he's part of the furniture and understands how Red Hat really adheres to both the open source community, but also how we enable enterprise customers to get the best out of open technologies. So when we start talking about open hybrid cloud, you often see customers' eyes glaze over because they've had the pitch five or ten times we really are now starting to tell a story which enables customers to start thinking about how they move their their databases and their applications and their workloads to cloud at their own levels you know their own time levels it's very difficult sometimes when customers just genuinely think well is it an all or nothing what applications can they move what should remain within the enterprise within their bastions within their their network perimeters And very often the CIO thinks, well, instead of making that difficult decision, I'm just going to put that decision off and I'm going to stick in my comfort zone. Do you think Red Hat's enabling those customers to start thinking more aggressively about cloud? I do. And I think you're absolutely right when you say that uh, they've heard cloud over and over again. I think it's been a buzz term now for a number of years. And... I think what we can be sure about is that there's no one-size-fits-all cloud. Uh, the, the term cloud means different things to different customers. I've not once found, uh, you know, going from meeting to meeting that both customers want exactly the same thing from it. Um, I think cloud enables a lot of various different technologies to give you a lot more flexibility and agility. Um, but I do think that Red Hat is bringing innovative products and taking um, open source or existing open source projects and actually bringing them to the forefront and actually providing a supportable offering to our customers that really does enable them to create these various different types of clouds regardless of what it is that they're trying to achieve. But the the, the open source embracing customer is changing. If we look five, ten years ago, it was about a customer who knew how to stand up a Samba server or a LAMP stack. Now when we go to these conferences or you sit down in front of an enterprise customer of any size, they have people internally who aren't just developing technologies, but they're also using Puppet, they're using Chef. They've got all these technologies and they're getting the best out of them in their own proof of concept before we even rock up at the door. Right, yeah. And um, I've, I go to quite a, quite a few different conferences, both uh, in a proprietary world and an open source world. And uh, what I found, and, and was certainly an eye-opener for me, was uh, the, the numbers of attendees at uh, the OpenStack conference uh, mm. earlier on this year. I couldn't believe that this was an open source event. The mm. numbers of people, the sheer numbers of people that were there. But it wasn't just you know the engineers it wasn't just the contributors themselves that were there there was everybody involved from uh, analysts to managers to to support teams but what what struck me about what struck me about that conference which was very different to what i expected was okay look at the average it conference in britain and you have the representation from the major companies the major companies who've made up um, the vendor space there was none of that at OpenStack. Do you remember the guy from Comcast stood up on stage and said, look, you know, we built this whole cloud environment. We built it internally using our own stuff yeah. without going out to a third-party vendor. We just built it ourselves. Exactly. And it, and it really didn't feel like a sales pitch at all. No. There, was, there, was, there was nothing being forced down your neck. It was a case of this is what we're doing. It's, you know, it's really cool. We'll, we'll be able to, like you said, stand up these environments, do it ourselves. And just the... the the types of organizations that are doing this, they're enormous and they know that uh, that they're really onto something. Brian Stevens, though, made the point a couple of months ago that you know OpenStack really is starting to get provider-friendly as well. And that's really the first time that a lot of uh, cloud vendors and internet service providers and managed hosting companies can now start thinking about scaling their architecture 
using components they can grab now, and then if they need to interface with a third-party company such as Red Hat to go with a supported certified solution. Right, and I think that um, the likes of Amazon EC2 and uh, Rackspace and some of the other cloud providers, they're really sort of setting the benchmark of what is possible for IT delivery. And so using off-the-shelf components such as OpenStack um, from a vendor like Red Hat allows you to create those environments today with a fully open source supported with a life cycle uh, and a stamp of approval from uh, a vendor like Red Hat who obviously an enormous contributor to uh, to the OpenStack community. And um, Amazon has a huge place in the food chain of cloud and I think it's been absolutely critical for cloud to have Amazon there in its corner because it's enabled people to rack up with a credit card and to be able to prove models. Whether they're going there on a permanent basis or whether it's just for nine days, six hours, 27 minutes with a credit card to say, let's see how this actually scales into an EC2 environment. Yeah, I, I certainly think it's given us a glimpse into what the future holds for, for IT and uh, utility-based on-demand computing. Um, I just think it's going to take uh, quite a little while before uh, the, the big vendors, well, sorry, not the big vendors, the organizations and the, uh, the customers themselves are actually going to adopt such technologies. And I think a good um, midpoint is to allow to have those sorts of architectures on site behind their own corporate firewalls to have the same levels mm. of uh, flexibility they used to with a public cloud, but having that uh, in-house. And then you have Red Hat with this big XPAS announcement this week from Paul Cormier and the guys within the JBoss community team, Craig Mozilla. Again, using those cool technologies, BRMS, et cetera, et cetera, getting them out into a stable supported environment, sitting on top of OpenShift, which now two years old, it's proven, it's scalable, it works. The likes of Matt Hicks and Grant and Stephen C. Pin, all the guys within the OpenShift team who've worked so hard to provide that food chain to get OpenShift to a point where it's now enterprise GA. And, you know, people are now starting to rack up and to deliver service plans on OpenShift. This is a cool new territory. And a lot of the time, you know, you, you turn up at conferences and people say to you, Red Hat, we didn't know you were in cloud. And it's almost like saying, well, you know, we wanted the ingredients of cloud. I almost think we're pretty pervasive when it comes to, uh, you know, being involved in the cloud. We're sort of behind exactly. pretty much everything. It's, yeah. uh, you, you may not see us, but we're definitely there. And I think some of the, the new cloud products that we're bringing, bringing to the market will certainly change that view and that perspective on Red Hat as a company. And I think the ability now to have that enterprise middleware, that supported JBoss offering, to be able to push that and scale that in the cloud, that's a really big message. Yeah, it, it's not just going down a force.com Heroku route of, of, of having an application you can use for one single thing. You can actually go and use your OpenGRE components in a JBoss environment with all the BRMS goodness in the back end. Very, very powerful. Yeah, correct. And with, with OpenShift specifically, there's no real lock-in into the underlying platform. It's, exactly. You know, it, we, we, and we, SE Linux. Yeah, absolutely right. And I'm sick of going to conferences where people say, well, yeah, SE Linux, we turn it off by default. And it's like, well... You obviously haven't got a clue about security. Yeah, I'd say probably the vast majority of my customers will, will, will say that they uh, they disable it, but they wish they, they knew how to enable it. But I'm thinking, well, it really is simple. Red Hat Enterprise Linux out of the box comes with uh, SE Linux enabled by default. Mm -hmm. uh, and our, the way that we cr construct and configure policies on a system has really come a long way in the past few years. It really is that easy to... Uh, to really get a, a machine a lot more secure. And for those listening to the podcast, if you get yourselves down to YouTube and you do a search and look up Dan Walsh or Thomas Cameron talking about SE Linux and the power of SE Linux and, and OpenShift and how we're using SE Linux in the cloud, uh, there's a lot of videos available for you and there's some white papers as well, which I'll make sure we have a link to on the blog. Reese, it's been great having you on the podcast. Thanks for making time again. Thank you.